special dedication for today's show it's a it's a sad one but it's somebody who is near and dear to the sdp family um somebody that was a a listener pretty much from the beginning uh has unfortunately passed away jesse can you uh can you shout him out yeah you might know him if you've interacted with the podcast on twitter you might know him as william mcavoy but his name was liam and um one of his buddies hawk at hockey in ottawa reached out and said that liam passed away on friday and he had tweeted the show as recently as like Wednesday. So it was uh, it was fairly quick. And then, um, yeah, we just want to dedicate the show to him because he's a longtime mm-hmm. listener. And um, he loved musicals. Great dude overall. Hockey um, at Hockey in Ottawa just said, if you can put on a song that you love listening to and dance for it a little, that'd be a great honor for Liam. So yeah, hearts go out to him and his family, everyone who knew him. Show's for you, Liam. There you go. Yeah. Let's say, and I did. I put on some music for him yesterday. Uh, his orders, and yeah, this show's for you, man. Beauty. Um, so, uh, so just a, a couple of scheduling notes with the show. Um, this is the last week we're doing two episodes. So we've got today, we've got Wednesday, and then as of November, we're going to dial it back to one because we are in off-season mode. Uh, frankly, we think that the uh, content's kind of kind of thin out too because after the GM's meeting uh, on fr- Thursday or Friday, I believe it was. Uh, where they solve nothing and we don't know anything. Um, we really don't know what's going to happen. So it, at a certain point, you sort of have to take your breaks where you can get them uh, because as soon as hockey season's back, whenever that is, I'm thinking mid-January, maybe even February at this point. Um, although I still, man, guys, I'm still thinking it's March. Um, the, uh, you know, for, for us, it's sort of, we got to take our off season where we can. So we've got, um, obviously the prep's going to thin out. So we've got some interviews and that sort of thing lined up, which we're very excited about. We won't hint too much at what they are. Uh, but there will be I will. announcements. Oh, well, yeah, you, you no. have them like set in stone. No, I okay. actually, I don't okay. actually know what they No, are. we won't, we won't, we won't do anything too, but we've got some great interviews and that sort of thing set up for, um, you know, the four weeks in November that we're going to be doing stuff. And uh, obviously, you know, it's sort of like everybody, everybody's kind of waiting, holding their breath, trying to figure out where this is going to go. And nobody has an answer. And that's pretty understandable. And we'll see what happens, um, I guess, in the first few months of winter here as, as we get into it. Now, um, one thing that's interesting with the return of hockey, though, is that it seems like it'll be sooner rather than later. Because the goal seems to be shifted uh, amongst the four major sports to the 2021 season to the 2022 season. And then you kind of you have this upcoming the 2021 season as a sunk cost. Oh, okay. the, the NBA uh, Shams uh, reported on Friday that their start date is aiming to be December 22nd. Oh wow! So it looks like they're gonna they're gonna do a seventy two game season. The athletic reported, and they'll they'll run from December to uh, late June slash July ish, and then they're trying to get back on track for next October when you get your full revenue back. And with the the Hopefully. NHL uh, revealing that they wanna they're aiming for January first, it seems like that's their plan as well. Because the more they're delaying this into the spring, if things aren't back to normal, then it's just a waste of time. If we're still in the spring at the same where we, place we are in December, then you might as well have started in December or January. So that's okay. what it seems to be the floating around those two leagues in particular. So hopefully that gives us hope for uh, the next yeah. coming months. We have a January start for the NHL and a December 22nd start for the NBA. Yeah. You know, CJ mentioned a, a potential February 1st start and I'm just... 
I just don't know what the difference is, you know, like between January 1st and February 1st. Um, surely they've been planning this upcoming season since March, right? So what is that extra month going to do? I don't know. I have no appetite for August, September <laughs> hockey again, um, or at least for the playoffs. Um, I want as long a season as possible, though. I want a season to happen. Um, and for it to start at the beginning of winter would probably be a lot more desirable than kind of tail end. Once you're already well, February is your well settled in to mm-hmm. winter, right? What is worse than January post New Year's Day? <laughs> you know what I mean? Please give us some hockey to look forward to for that. That would be wonderful. Um, but my only request all Canadian division. I'm going to beat that drum until that I get my damn cool. wish. It looks like it's going to happen. And then the Raptors yeah. will play in like, uh, they'll play in New Jersey. They're speculating. Oh, I thought they're it was predicted. Kentucky. Well, they, they, they didn't want to go there because of Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. They pulled out of Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And so then uh, I think Buffalo wasn't feasible because of the Sabres. So it looks like it might be the Prudential Center. Hmm. Okay. In, uh, in New Jersey. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, interesting stuff. It's funny that there's just all these massive arenas, you know, that don't always have teams in them or at one point did have NBA teams in them because they were the New Jersey Nets, weren't they? Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah. yeah. They moved over to Brooklyn, yeah. It sounds like there's a lot to figure out, but at the end of the day, um, they've been working on this since March. So hopefully we get an answer soon. When I listen, I've been really enjoying the videos lately, getting to talk about the Leafs signed this guy, they signed this guy, they re-signed this guy. And now I'm looking down the list and I'm like, okay, so they've re-signed everybody. Doesn't look like that Uyghur trade is going to happen or any other trade is really going to happen. And all that's left is Joey Anderson. And it's that, I don't even know if I have a Joey Anderson re-signs video in me on account of I said everything I know about him and <laughs> the Leafs get him for Andreas Janssen video and after that the well is dry yep it's dry when I saw Pierre Lebrun talking about GM meetings tweets I'm like ah so we're back to this are we <laughs> we're yeah. at, we're at this part of the offseason it's it's gonna be slim pickings for hockey until like the world juniors obviously yeah and that's great the fact that we have those to look forward to like definitive hockey and i think the lead up to that's going to be fun like i'd sort of i think i'd said it last year I'd, I'd sort of lost interest in the world juniors um a little bit and just sort of i think part of it was just you know um i think you, you sometimes get overloaded right there's just a there's sometimes there's just too much and i think for me i'd just gotten a little bit numb to that but you know having your toys taken away uh, sort of sorts that out for you in your head. So I think the lead up to the World Juniors, at very least in December, is going to be a lot of fun and um, and really kind of wa- look forward to that tournament. It's going to be now. It's in Edmonton this year, isn't it? Uh, Alberta, I believe. Yeah, they're they're gonna see a tournament you can do in a bubble. Sure, mm-hmm. for a few weeks without everyone losing their minds. Mm-hmm. Right, do a where season. you can't do a. It was hard enough to do a full playoffs, which is just a really long tournament. A, a, an entire season it's on you can't do it yeah i mean and it could. is in uh edmonton yeah you could but everyone would retire after saying i never want to play hockey ever again right um and it's not just the world juniors it's also the dream gap tour which we will be talking about later in the show 
Mm-hmm. Liz Knox is coming on to talk about that. There was a major investment uh, in about 10 minutes. We'll have her on. So in the meantime, uh, we'll hit we'll hit Travis Dermott after we get all of that done. But let's get into our Kellogg's Frosted Flakes Selly of the Week, which is not really a Selly of the Week. It's a Selly of the uh, whatever Steve Dangle thinks of today. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Actually, it was funny. I was my mom told me yesterday. I don't know. I was at over for at her house for dinner. And she was talking about the fact that the doctor uh, was in and out watching a playoff game between the Leafs and he didn't and she didn't know who while I was being born. So he came in and he would like update her on the score. And she's like, I really don't give a shit about the score. <laughs> like, I really don't care. And I looked it up and it was the Detroit Wet Red Wings oh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, on April 12th, 1988. Because I came very early on the April, April the 13th. And the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs won six to five. It was a playoff game. And hey. uh, yeah, and it was uh, <laughs> Eddie Oldchuck and Vinny Damfus with the big goal scorers for the Leafs that night. There you go. Crazy, That's awesome. Right? Yeah, Who was the starting goalie in well, 1988? Let's, let's look that up. So Leafs, Red I'm fascinated Wings, by all this crap. Uh, 1988, April 12. Let me let me look this up for you. Okay, hockey references got it. So it is uh, the Norse Division semifinals. Okay, so Eddie Olchuk from Toronto, Mel Bridgman, Adam Oates in Detroit, uh, Daniel Marois, uh, Ally Afraidy, Eddie Olchuk, Adam Oates, Peter Klima, Tom Fergus. John Cabot or Shabbat, and then Eddie Olchuk scored in overtime from Boreas Salming uh, to, to put the game away. The starting goaltenders uh, for Toronto, it looks like a guy named Alan Bester, who I have never heard of. You never heard of Alan Bester? No. Wow. That's and then, wow. And then for Detroit, two goalies drew in, uh, Greg Steffen and Glenn Hanlon. So these were... These were tough times for both teams. And I don't think, I don't see P, Steve Eiserman's name. So he must've been injured because he, he was in the eighties for the, for the Red Wings. He must've been injured here. Jesse, can you look up if they played a game, if the Leafs played a game the day you were born? Sure. Cause, cause I just looked it up for some reason. I've never looked this up. Uh, the Leafs did play the day I was born. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. March 12th, 1988 um, with the 42 save six to four win. Ken Reggett was, was the Leafs goalie that night, and he beat Chicago Blackhawks goalie Darren Pang. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who allowed six goals on 26 shots. Sorry there, Panger. Um, Vinny Damfus had five assists in that game, and Peter Inacek had the uh, hat trick. And Man, it's amazing. Like, you know, I remember watching, like, the 92-93 Leafs, not – vividly but i remember it and like the names on this team i'm like i don't remember any of you being leafs any of you todd gill i remember that and that's it men maybe mark osborne i don't remember anyone else borchevsky clark borchevsky's not even on this team no three ally afraidy's on this team gary lehman i don't really remember oh the 88 team yeah because they were it it was terrible they were a terrible team they were terrible oh well well, good enough to make the play. Woo! Okay, so when they played the Blackhawks, the Leafs had a record of 20, 41, and 10. <laughs> and they still and made, they the, made playoffs. the playoffs because of the stupid divisions. Yeah, yeah, terrible. No, they made the playoffs because there was 21 teams and 15 or 16 of them made it. Right. So to miss the playoffs, you had to be extra bad. You think about that, right? 
And the Pittsburgh Penguins, by the way, missed the playoffs for like the first five years of Mario's career. So that give, goes to show you how bad the Pittsburgh Penguins with Mario Lemieux were until the 90s. It was really bad. They played really March bad. 12th, 1988, and they lost 6-3 to the Minnesota North Stars. Wow. Which is not nearly as bad as uh, how Buffalo did, losing 10-4 to to the Calgary Flames. <laughs> okay, so, so for the Selly portion, can you remember the first celebration you remember? Like the first hockey goal you remember? Can you, can you go back that far? Uh, I can go back. So, I mean, the Leafs scored several times in the first hockey game I ever went to, mm-hmm. which was a Leafs, I think it was a 4-3 loss to the Detroit Red Wings, February 5th, 1994. If only we told you to get used to that. Yes, well, uh, but I don't remember any of those goals. No. Um, I do remember that someone gave me a free plastic uh, stick, kind of like this one, except plastic. Oh, like a mini stick. Yeah, a mini stick. And I was very excited about all that. Um, but the first goal I remember, it was a, it was a Dave Anderchuk goal against the Calgary Flames. And what I remember about it is it was shorthanded. Mm. And... It was the first time I had ever understood, and this blew my mind as a child, that you could score a shorthanded goal. And I remember it just, I was like, but the other team has five and we have four. And he scored? (laughs) Is Dave Anderchuk the best player? Is he the best player on the team? I think he's the best player on the team. He's a pretty good player. You're going to win the cup. (laughs) <laughs> and I was disappointed. <laughs> so that was that's the first goal I remember, I think. Okay. Now, was there a big celebration with that? Uh, or was you know he Dave Andrzejczyk about it? And it's another thing. It's one of those things where I don't remember seeing it. I remember I was at my Uncle Lenny's house. Like, why do I remember that? Like, why do I remember who I was with, the circumstances around it? Um, but I, I can't remember the actual Selly. I'd have to look it up. I'll have to go wow. look up if Dave Anderchuk ever scored a shorthanded goal against the Calgary Flames. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe my childhood memory is making this up. By the way, why was Dave Anderchuk killing penalties? Well, that's right. part that's of what makes question. me feel like he, he was not a fast fleet of foot. No, he was big. He was Martin Marinch and tall. And in 1993 or whatever, that was good enough. That maybe is it then. <laughs> maybe so that maybe. was it. Maybe he was just big and had a big sweep, you know? Maybe. Crazy. Jesse, what's the first goal celebration you can remember? Like, like go back as far as you can. That's a really good one. I don't know. It would have been something from the um, early 2000s, like Tucker Domi years. Okay. I want to say. Oh. Where they literally almost killed a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They did. I want to say it's like um, probably a Sundin goal. Just mm-hmm. like an average playoff goal, I I used to play um, table hockey with my dad in the living room during that the like when they played the Sens that little run every couple of years. Yes, I remember yes. being a kid and playing table hockey, and we'd play in between periods. So it'd be like, okay, it's intermission. We get like three games in on little on little table hockey, and that was the shit. But like, I assume one time in there, Sundin scored a goal, and I remember it. You know, mm. just like some hazy memory. Wow. 
Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> the first one I can actually remember is is and it was a replay. I don't think I saw it live because I was a little kid. But uh, I remember all over the news the next morning because my parents always watched uh, the news in the morning and you get the sports hit was the Borchevsky goal against Detroit where he yeah. had that little tip in. And the only reason I remember it is the equipment manager spraying water all over the bench. And, and I remember asking my family vividly. This is the only reason I remember this. Uh, it, why is he getting everybody wet? That seems really <laughs> like I thought he was being very mean and rude by the fact that he was pouring water all over the bench. Like, you know, cause I was, you were not to spill drinks. Like that was a thing in my house. Like, no, that was a big deal. You don't spill, you don't, you don't spill your drinks. You definitely don't spray people with water. So why would you do that? And that, so I was very offended on behalf of the Maple Leafs players who got hit. By, uh, and what was his name? He was there for Brian Papano. Brian Papano. Yes. He was there for a long, long time. And here's how long he's been there. So he's still there? He, yeah. So he handed a puck through the glass to my wife when we sat between the benches for game three in 2018 against the Bruins. Okay. And and that was 25 years after the water spraying Borshevsky goal. Wow. Yeah. Holy smokes. Quarter century later. Okay. Wow. Um, I am just going to reach out to Liz here. Liz Knox is going to join us to talk about the PWHPA in just a second here. Uh, we'll wrap up the segment, but I'm just going to wrap. Just tell her to click on the Zoom link and get ready to go. She's uh, she's ready, ready and waiting. She, ready. Okay, well, that, the wraps waiting up, room. that wraps up our Kellogg's Selly of the Week, uh, brought to you by Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, of course. Let's bring on Liz Knox. Liz Knox. Hey. hey. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. It's right. you, know you know what's great about the pandemic, uh, which is something you don't get Nothing. to say often, uh, is that we actually get to see you because normally we're just used to having you on the phone. I know, right? It's such a pleasure. So this has been a, a huge week for the PWHPA. The, probably the biggest, I don't, I hesitate to say this, but is this the biggest week in, in women's hockey, women's pro hockey ever? Honestly, like the sponsorship that we saw last year, the investment from Budweiser, Unifor, Secret, like kind of on like a regional scale for each of our Dream Gap Tour stops was like so stunning to me because it came together just so fast. And now that we've put in, you know, just over a year of work and we're kind of getting a, a better foundation to see Secret step up the way they did is just like, I mean, I'm very, it makes me very hopeful, right? It makes me very hopeful that they won't be the last, but it's mm-hmm. nice to see them kind of be the first to really put some big dollars down for us. And for those who don't know, the PWHPA announced Thursday morning that Secret has committed $1 million in support of the organization, the PWHPA that is, for the 2021 Dream Gap Tour. I'm assuming that comes with some free samples too, right? Oh, I certainly hope so. I mean, yeah. we're athletes. Like, I know <laughs> people like to think that girls don't sweat, but if you've been in a women's hockey locker room, like, it's just as bad as the guys. <laughs> I'm married. I'm aware. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So, so Liz, you know, when, when, I I mean, I don't know how much you can tell us or how much, you know, about the actual particulars of something like this, but how does it come together for, you know, those of us on the outside that, that, um, you know, to be frank, it's, it's the, the dream gap tour is a lot to put together. It's, there's a lot, there's different dates. You're traveling. We're talking about this in the middle of a pandemic as well. Like this is the, there's a lot at stake here and there's a lot of moving parts here. How obviously the relationship with secret uh, started last year and really flourished, but how does something like this come together and how quickly before uh, the public knew, did you know, and how excited were you when you found out? Yeah. I mean, 
uh, I think it all kind of started with their investment in one of our tour stops last year in Toronto and um, getting to talk to some of the reps that they had there and, you know, meeting, making those connections and them honestly talking to some of our athletes to understand like, Hey, you know, what's your life been like as a, you know, pro hockey player. And you're talking about some of the best players in the world. You're talking about, you know, four or five time Olympians who, when they're not at the Olympics, I mean, you know, we just don't quite have the resources that we should, that we believe we should. So it's a relationship that kind of flourished from there. And I think it's just their buy-in to say, yeah, like, you know, the whole slogan is equal sweat deserves equal opportunity. And that's, you know, at the root of it, that's what we're fighting for is just, you know, a better opportunity for female athletes. Um, and then, you know, to see them step up this year, so huge. And I like, I, I'm lucky enough, you know, I can tell you guys where some of the money's going. Um, obviously some of our operating costs, hockey is a very expensive sport. So, you know, a lot of it has to go into, um, booking ranks and making sure it's staffed properly. Um, they've also committed some of it to marketing. So making sure that people know about the dream gap tour, which in women's hockey has always been one of our biggest obstacles basically is just how do we promote ourselves with basically no budget, right? Like, so a lot of it has been word of mouth and a lot of it has been our players self-promoting and, um, you know, even if a family comes just to see Natalie Spooner, at least they're there, right. To take it in. And then finally they've put a, a, you know, a significant portion of the money towards, um, like a purse. So similar to how you see in tennis. Um, so having actually each, each one of the dream gap tour stops, see a winning team walk away with a little bit of cash is like great incentive for our players. Cause we've never played for, you know, winning money. Like, it is great incentive. We're all human, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's great course. incentive. <laughs> I mean, winning is always better, but when you get to walk home with some pocket change, I mean, nobody's going to complain about that, right? Yeah, there's there's no more aspect of, yeah, well, at least we all had fun. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you you want to win. Yeah. yeah, it's for a yeah. lot more than pride. Cash We've been having fun, fun for like 20 years. So, you yeah. know, now it's, like, it's okay to make some money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess the question for everything is uh, what is this going to look like now? What What's the Dream Gap Tour going to look like um, when it starts, whenever that is? Yeah, I mean, I can't tease too much because like everybody else, I don't really know what the new year has to offer. Um, I can tell you guys that we've looked at dates for the new year, so we do have a plan. Um, now, that being said, if it happens or not, I mean, our player safety is our priority, right? And I think everybody's kind of, on that page, um, you know, we have discussed options of, we're fortunate that I would say 60% of our athletes are just athletes. You know, they're with the national team. Um, they do have some endorsements, so they're able to train full time. Would we be able to put them in a bubble situation or something similar? I mean, it's, it's an option that we've explored. Um, for players like myself, when I played, I mean, that wouldn't be possible because I have a full-time job. So there'd be a good chunk of players that unfortunately that just wouldn't work for them. But I think we just have to be flexible. Right. And, and like I said, our, our players safety comes first. We never want to put anybody in a situation that they're not comfortable in, whether it's, you know, physically, mentally, financially, whatever it may be. So we have to be a little bit flexible moving forward, but we are you know, hopeful that we can get on the ice in the new year. Hmm. That's the thing, right? Everybody's sort of in that in that wait and see mode, right? It seems like you know, even with the we were just talking before you got on, Liz, about the uh, the GM calls with the NHL and how nothing. It's sort of they just got together, talked, and who can make definitive plans at this point? It's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you know what? I will say we're very fortunate. Like a lot of the conversations we've had with sponsors from last year 
have been ongoing. So, um, you know, everyone's excited to help where they can at the same time, you know, like you say, we just, we're not really sure. So the best we can do right now is just keep those conversations, keep those doors open. And, um, you know, hopefully once the opportunity presents itself, that it's safe to go back on the ACE and, and do this tour again, that we'll be able to. So with the first year of the dream gap tour, um, obviously there was a little bit, I think there was a little bit of a cut short because of the pandemic. Am I right? There was a couple dates canceled. I think there was just like, yeah, one, one. Was, okay. Yeah. So, you know, you get the majority of the dates done. Um, what did you think were the major successes and what do you think the things are for this time around? I mean, obviously the pandemic changes things, but, um, what, what do you want to see improve this time? I mean, I loved the NHL franchise buy-in. Um, you know, I, unfortunately I wasn't able to go to the Chicago, um, Philly, uh, Arizona, but the feedback we got from those was just, it was an amazing experience for the players. It was an amazing experience for the fans. Um, that NHL franchises loved it. They loved the idea of having, you know, a female affiliated uh, club. So I think, um, you know, moving forward, that's definitely kind of a, an avenue that we want to continue to flourish and, and um, you know, really nurture that kind of environment. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you look at somebody like the WNBA and the success they had this year, the platform they built for themselves, not just as athletes, but as social advocates, um, you know, a lot of that stems from their, their beginnings of the NBA backing them, you know, kind of right from the get go. So now they're on their own. Now they're on their own two feet. And, you know, it's, it's cool to see the NBA kind of supporting what the W is doing and piggybacking off their social movements um, and, and vice versa, you know, across all sports. I think that's we want to be on that even playing field. And go ahead, Steve. Well, I was, I was going to say, uh, did you, I know, again, it's difficult. You can't announce too much, but I'm excited. Um, can you announce much in the way of how these games might be broadcasted or streamed? Yeah, we are looking into some broadcasting because, um, you know, the reality of having fans actually physically come to any arena at this point is, you know, pretty much off the table. We're here in Toronto, so we're in modified phase two. So that's, you know, virtually off the table for us, but um, yeah, we're looking at seeing if we can't get some eyes on this, you know, you can still stay at home and enjoy some adult beverages and take in some good hockey. So again, I can't say too, too much, but it is uh, definitely on the radar. Okay. Okay. That's, come, uh, come on the show and tell us. We know the tournament's called the secret cup, but if you yeah. spill some secrets. There's, on it, yeah, there's lots like, of secrets. To find <laughs> You're a little too on brand there, Liz. Yeah, really. <laughs> seriously. Uh, Liz, you know, uh, obviously when we talked and, and there has been, there's been hinting at, at this more than just, you know, the conversations that we've had, but um, you know, the, the goal here is to get the NHL to step up and back the PWHPA. Right. And, to, and back, frankly, a women's league, um, you know, with the pandemic, we were talking about this to, with Haley Salvian last week. Obviously, everything's on hold. Uh, a lot of leagues are looking at next year as just a loss, period. Um, you know, whether they can get fans in the stands or not, the owners may just have to bite it. And, and that's it. Uh, where does a relationship with the NHL stand now? And has there been any progress made despite the circumstances in the world that are out of everyone's control? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a funny territory for us to be in, right? Because last year, we it was like this momentum was building. The NHL was getting more and more involved. The franchises were buying in. It was awesome. We are at such like a, you know, we had such great momentum behind us. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. 
and we need to be respectful of their business as well, right? I mean, we're not going to go knocking on doors asking for support when they're really questioning, you know, like if, if their organization is in jeopardy. So we were respectful throughout the summer and, um, you know, conversations did happen. But again, it was basically just like, we understand everyone's trying to figure it out right now. Um, fortunately, again, conversations have come up again. So it's not, um, it's definitely not off the table. Um, I will say that the franchises that we talked to, some of the ones that we saw from last year, I mean, they're bought into the idea, you know, it's not gimmicky for them. It's not like, oh yeah, you know, we'll do what's right and support women's hockey. No, like they actually want to invest in the women's side and more than that, they want to be the first, like they want to be one of the first teams to say, yeah, like we saw this coming up. We wanted to, we wanted to back it. We wanted to back it through a pandemic, even though, you know, everybody was struggling. We saw it as an opportunity. So um, I'm excited about the stops that we do have, you know, kind of on the radar. Um, like I said, not to tease too much. It's a secret cup, but um, you'll see some of the similar stops from last year and, um, and a couple new ones as well. Hopefully you, you guys couldn't have signed a deal with spill the beans deodorant. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not a tea company. We're not still yeah. an AT. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, will there be any announcements at any of those stops? What do you mean? Well, is there a, I mean, it's a secret, right? So are there going to be any surprise <laughs> announcements? Well, you know, there's still some things brewing. Um, we're definitely in. Is that a Boston reference? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, yeah, we're in some conversations. I think the nice thing about the secret um, announcement coming out now is that um, we're seeing a lot of sponsors, you know, looking back at themselves, looking in the mirror and saying, okay, like, the, the bar has been set, right? Like, how do we step up? How do we show that we're equally as invested? So um, working our way through those conversations and, you know, I'm sure this won't be the last big announcement for the PA. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Liz, right. this happened uh, probably a month ago now, but how important was it for uh, Sarah Nurse to join the board? Uh, okay, I'm a huge Sarah Nurse fan. Like, I hope she sees this because like we talk probably once every three days honestly like she has been such an addition to the board um it obviously came at a time when we were looking at ourselves being like do we really represent our players um and obviously sarah being one of the original bipoc players in the pa at the olympic level i mean she does everything um it was just a natural fit she's somebody that i was constantly in conversation with before this was even an idea to bring a bipoc player to the board and I kind of like planted the seed, like sly being like, you know, like, would you ever consider being on the board? <laughs> and, uh, you know, she just has the right head on her shoulders for it. Um, and, and not just, you know, focused on how we're going to tackle racism in hockey, but I mean, she really does have a voice for everybody. She really looks at the world. Um, and I believe it's because she's experienced the world differently than all of us. You know, she looks at the world critically. She thinks of other people. Um, she has a great, I, you know, head on her shoulder for initiatives and how we can reach, um, you know, different communities. So it's been nothing but good things. And, um, you know, she's got a very bright future. She's only like 24, 25. Yeah, like, it's a little unfair, isn't it? Yeah, and, like you're making us look bad here. <laughs> and you personally gave up your spot on the board so that you could have a person of color on it, correct? Yeah, yeah. That's um, that was unbelievable. Part of it was like logistics. We have a nine player board already. So to bring another person on, we'd actually have to bring two on because you need to have odd numbers. 
And then part of it was just like, you know what, if we want to talk about allyship, like I'm in a position of privilege and the impact that I'm having like pales in comparison to what I know Sarah is going to bring. So, you know, why don't I just find a different role? I'm, you know, I'm still going to stay involved. I'm still as an advisor to the board. Um, but I mean, her voice is much more important than mine at this point. Wow. Well, Leaders lead from the front. So it's, it's good that you would do that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, one, one big thing I noticed, you know, during, uh, I don't know what you would call the past few months, the, the era of bubble sports. It yes. was truly bizarre. Um, but, uh, the WNBA crushed it in terms of, well, everything, but they crushed it in terms of merch sales. <laughs> if I want to get some Spooner stuff, if I want to get some night stuff, if I want to get some X, Y, Z, uh, am I going to be able to, hello, am I going <laughs> to be able to do that? Yeah, actually, you know what? We um, are working on some merch right now. Um, we're just trying to find the, uh, the funny thing about our organization. Bye, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry. The funny thing about our organization is because we're so geographically widespread, we're trying to navigate how we get all this product out. Um, and we're relatively new, right? Like, um, it's kind of like, imagine Microsoft starting in a garage. Like, that's kind of how I feel. It was like, okay, hey, we just got to come together and do something that's right. So now we're like, okay, now we're like a, you know, multinational organization representing 200 people and people want to buy our merch. Like, okay, how are we going to do this? So um, I am happy to say that it's something we're working on probably in the next couple months, you'll be able to get some merch and, um, you know, as things you're things do grow i hope to see some of the, the player names be put on some of the, some of the stuff we get uh we're having the same problem smaller scale than you guys but uh we don't know how we we can't we can't find suppliers that'll go cross border like we're, right. we're we're struggling with that so you know we've been trying to launch merch for a while so if you guys find out can you would you help the little guy out because yeah we, <laughs> we really need a hand <laughs> absolutely we'll piggyback off each other but yeah, um and, and it's funny like it's you love to see how the W went out. Like you love to see the orange hoodies. Like, and now you're seeing, you know, you're seeing it, um, you know, sported by male athletes. You're seeing it sported by female athletes. It's just kind of like, it was the one thing that I think for them, especially really like, it was like, that's the W and where have we ever seen that women's sports before? Like, yes, Olympic Jersey sales, you know, both Canadian, American finish, whatever it may be. But this was something that was like, inherently like you saw an orange hoodie and you're like, Oh, that's a W hoodie. Right. So I think it's, they did an amazing job branding themselves there. Awesome. Well, Liz, you know, uh, I know that you've got more to come. There's more to talk about. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're very excited for you guys. Obviously this is like a huge step forward, but uh, we hope that you'll come back and talk to us when the next secret is revealed, whenever that is. Um, and, and honestly, like, uh, all the best to you guys in, in a world where most of the news is negative. Uh, it was so nice to see something good happening, uh, something we all want to happen. And, uh, so congratulations to you and to the organization. Um, and we're excited to see what the dream gap tour looks like this year. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And, um, you know, maybe I'll try to get a little ahead of the eight ball next time and maybe put out a little teaser ahead of time. Oh. <laughs> you guys are like my go-to now. So okay. once you get that merch up, you let me know. Yeah, no, you. Right. We're, we're relying on you. And by the way, so Liz just teased 
a tease, guys. Mm-hmm. Double tease. Yeah, she double teased us with a secret. So Adam, I, you got to step your game up. That's aggressive. That's, okay, that's legendary. <laughs> Liz, thank you for taking time out of your Sunday afternoon for us, and uh, and say hi to Dave too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dave, by the way, if you're listening, Dave was walking around in the back. Who is Dave? <laughs> Dave is my father-in-law. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, Dave said hi to everybody. So uh, yeah, if, you, if you're watching on the video, now. you saw him. Okay. Well, uh, our best to Dave and Liz. Great to see you and, and uh, great to see you in, in person, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you very soon, I'm sure. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Stay safe and uh, yeah, keep doing your thing. Thanks, Liz. You too, Liz. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. I want to do a little shout out to Haley Salvian for that because Liz, uh, we used to communicate via Twitter, but Liz's Twitter is different or she doesn't have it now. So uh, Haley, Haley was the one that actually hooked us up with Liz's contact. Steve also had Liz's contact. Give you her number. Oh, but you gave it to me after Haley did. So yeah. <laughs> Steve, Steve has everybody's was... number, but he's a terrible resource for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> so Haley is getting this shout out um, and for Liz being on the show, even though Steve did try to help. He was just yeah. too late. Yeah. Yeah. Fair you know, like the, the building, the building had burnt down. Steve's like, I got a bucket, a pail of water. <laughs> I got a glass. Well, and you're and you're gonna turn it down like an ingrate. Whoa. Oh. 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 oh my god. Okay. So um Travis Dermott signs for ten thousand dollars less than he was making last year. I thought it was more. Ten thousand dollars more than he was making last year. <laughs> ten thousand bucks. Now, ten thousand dollar raise. Pretty sweet. Or reduction. Like in NHL terms, who cares? It doesn't matter. However, uh, let's talk about the fact that Travis Dermott signed for a lot less than everybody thought. Like, if you looked at the projections, and I believe James Myrtle and Jonas Siegel did a, and this was pre-pandemic, so it's not exactly fair to bring this up. I'm not, I'm not trying to cold take them here. But they were talking about what a Travis Dermott ex- extension might look like. And reasonably, at that point in the season, everybody's like, yeah, one and a half million a season, right? That well, especially with term. Yes. And that would not have been a crazy amount nobody's going to be like wow an nhl defense for one and a half million bucks who's young sounds pretty good to me um and and travis didn't have the best season last year but he's not a slouch either uh there's a lot of skill there there's a lot that he can put together now steve hang on to that take as i know where you're going with it i want to set you up for it but i don't know if you do no no i know that you want i know where you want to go on that topic okay what i want to say is or to, to set this up properly i think I think that the the idea that Kyle Dubas can't negotiate well, I think that has been put to rest this offseason. No. And the idea, I don't know if the idea... I agree with Jesse. Yeah, if, no. I think the idea that... You're already wrong, Adam. Okay, cool. That's fine. <laughs> well, this is where we're going. I'm kidding. The idea that this guy can't negotiate a contract. I mean, if you look at outside of... Um, Alex Kerfoot, the Leafs have no middle class. He's the only one in the middle class in the forwards. In the defense, I guess, you know, the defense's high end is 5.25. Well, well where, where does the middle class for um, AAV begin? I think it's about three, three and a half. I, I would agree with that. And then it would okay. probably go to six, right? Three yep. to six or three to five? I would say that. So if you're talking about forwards, there isn't, and, and Kyle Dubas made, made this point in a press conference too. You're looking about bad contracts. The Leafs don't have one. 
There's not a contract on that team where you're like, you're not getting fair value for your, for your product. You could argue that Mitch Marner, a lot of people still think William Nylander makes 10 million bucks for some reason. I don't know why. Um, you can argue that, uh, that, that Mitch Marner maybe didn't live up to the contract in the way that you were hoping last year. I, I heard, I was listening to a radio station in Toronto and, uh, uh, somebody Which, was saying, I'm not going to say, I mean, there's only two, <laughs> uh, it, it must've been a pirate radio station, but anyway, they said, uh, they, they said that they, somebody suggested that Austin Matthews wasn't worth the money. And I thought, okay, <laughs> this is what you see what I'm saying. But the reality is the Leafs don't really have bad contracts. Even if you were to look at the Mitch Marner contract and say he underperformed our expectations, we expected him to be a hundred point player, which is not unfair. Uh, the guy, he would have uh, been. Huh? Probably would have. If been. he didn't miss time, he would have been. Well, so what I want to say is, I don't, I don't think that you can logically say that a team's general manager is a bad negotiator when they don't have a bad contract on the books. Well, it's listen, like Kyle Dubas's performance over the last few weeks does not cancel out the Neilander, Matthews, Marner, blah 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 blah. But the point does stand that like. At least their expensive players are good. You know what I mean? Some teams have guys where you're like, I don't, I, can this guy play? This guy's making eight, something, nine, 10, 11. Can this guy play? I'm not sure. Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, they can all play, guys. They can all play. They're all really good players. Now, just because all those contracts or uh, yeah, all those contracts, you know, they still apply. Those negotiations happen flaws and all doesn't mean that he didn't do an incredible job with, you can only perform in the moment you're in. Mm -hmm. Right. And you could, well, anyone could be a great negotiator in a pandemic. Listen, those are the cards he was dealt the cards. Everyone was dealt and he did a masterful job has done a masterful job. There's one more contract to go with Joey Anderson getting re-signed. And then we got to figure out how the team gets cap compliant. There's a number and of the, options. And the thing with Joey Anderson, but that's interesting is that he has no cards. Like he has nothing. None. Like, it's, do you want to play or, or do you want to go to Europe? The, like, I mean, you speak to his agents and, or like, maybe you get, I don't know how it works. You get your contract demands in an email or like a text. And then you have the, the second and, Blackberry at this point though. Uh, uh, you know, Dubas, I think he might have worked his way up to three. Well, was three. there three? I, I remember there being as much as There's, as many as six. I think it, it's six is your total you can unlock. Yeah, whoa, I never yeah. unlocked. I Adam, I, I got past three. It was always but, disappointing, though. It's like Florida offered you a fourth for your two fifths. And it's like, yeah. that's not why I got the six. You never, you never accept the deals that they'd send you through your BlackBerry. You'd always at least negotiate. You'd always send something back because you can always you uh, like yeah. add a draft pick or something, and they might accept that, but never accept the offer they send. Right, the NHL so, twenty ten. If you ever play it, everybody out there. <laughs> so Dubis on his third BlackBerry, perhaps. Um, you know, my client, Joey Anderson, wants $750,000. And you go, okay. And then you have a phone call. Yes. Hi, I understand you would like to make more than Joe Thornton. And my question is why? <laughs> my question is based on what? So I understand. No, sorry. I understand you would like to make more money than both Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza. 
And I would, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Cause that not, puts pressure on the group. Does it not? It's, it's not even like, okay. If those imagine, two hadn't signed those, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. Go ahead. Finish your point, And then I'm going to come back with you. Something. If else. those two hadn't signed those, it's still a guy who played, I think 18 NHL games last season, which is a career high. Um, in a time where there is no bloody money and we're in, you're in it. You are in it. If you don't have a contract right now, this is essentially August and it came that quick. It was fast. It was very fast. What free agency opened October 9th. We are not yet in November. We're like two weeks out we can from we can, free agency. Be, oh yeah. 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 From free agency. Yeah. Right. Yep. The, the beginning of it. And we're already in arbitration cases and guys have uh, settled. We, that's usually like, we're in it. If you don't have a deal, I don't care how good you are. Mike Hoffman could Mike Hoffman at $5 million, for example, is a wonderful deal. The guy averages, you know, flaws and all, they talk, they talk about his underlying numbers. Flaws and all, the guy averages 28 goals a season. To so get can to afford one, to give him that? No, practically nobody. Practically nobody. There are a handful of teams that have the cap space, um, but they don't have they the have internal budgets, money. right? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be, you know, it'd be really interesting. Duclair going back to Ottawa and also Mike Hoffman. Um, yeah. I don't know if that'll necessarily happen. And, and Hoffman, I say, because he's the biggest name remaining i would say but there you look at the list of guys available sammy vatnan is yeah. a right-handed defenseman no one wants that nobody wants that we're in a well you need a power he's a power play specialist too right so you got to have that that need for that particular type uh, you know detroit these are guys with sorry to, to finish the point which sorry, I, yeah. was, I was rambling to finish the point those are guys with all kinds of cards to play and they're boned like if, if you're, you know, Dermot was smart enough to be like, all right, I would like to stick around and I know I have to sign at this number to make it happen. So I'll make mm -hmm. it happen. If Joey Anderson wants to stick around, have a good shot at playing on the Toronto Maple Leafs this season, playing in the NHL, he's, he's going to sign for 700 thou or a few thousand more. It's not going to be much unless there's term. If there's term that changes everything, but if it's a one-year deal, what are you going to do? Now, if I am Detroit, Ottawa, New Jersey, or Los Angeles, even Nashville's in this too, because they've got about $12 million free, assuming that you can spend somewhat, some of that remaining cap space. And I think Detroit probably could. I think Los Angeles probably could. The New Jersey ownership, ownership situation, although they are a smaller budgeted team, I believe that they've got some pretty rich ownership there. Um, if you can, this is a huge opportunity to sign the Hamannicks, the Vatanins and the Hoffmans to sweetheart deals, one-year deals, and weaponize your cap space to send those deals to a team going to the playoffs at the deadline. Not only in Detroit, especially, so you're going to the Eiserman team, which I'm already on board for. You're going to Detroit, which has the best arena in the league and the best facilities in the league, bar none. Detroit's the only team with games on right now. If you turn on any Swedish hockey league game, <laughs> You're watching a Detroit prospect. <laughs> totally. And they've got all the ice time in the world for you if you're a vet because they don't want these young guys coming in and and having to play. You, you know, we talked about this with Eric Engels and Chris Johnston about, you know, when Buffalo 
fire fired everyone into the sun and then it was like okay now we're gonna make a culture and it's it's very hard to do that so detroit's gonna want to bring those young guys up slowly they're the detroit red rings in three years are going to be formidable and scary but for right oh, now i don't think it'll be that long uh for right now what you want to do if you're detroit and what you want to do with this if you're these veterans is play in a big big market like detroit big market for hockey uh you want to get as much spotlight on you as possible you're in the same division as the Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators, and Toronto Maple Leafs, and Boston Bruins. And why is that big? Well, they're all big television markets. So you want to be in that, that range where you're marketing yourself properly to teams that might want you at the deadline and want you on a longer-term contract next year. If I'm Mike Hoffman, I'm signing in Detroit tomorrow because that, that I know I'm going to get first power play unit minutes all day long. I know that if I've got defensive warts in my game, what are they really going to do? Not play Mike Hoffman? Come on. Like, you know what I mean? That's the, so, so I think that there's a huge opportunity there. Now back to the original point here, because we have gotten off topic, which is what Sorry. we do. That's okay. I think the idea that Kyle Dubas is a bad negotiator uh, could have been true at one point or could have, maybe he was too lax in his negotiation skills. I don't think he was ever a bad negotiator. But I think he felt like he wanted to get, you know, if you look at William Nylander's negotiation, he said, we went too low and we went too hard. Then with Austin, it was sort of like, just get it locked up and done. And then with Mitch, both sides were finally like, what are we fighting over? Like, why are we fighting this? Let's go. And people forget that John Tavares signed in Toronto for $2 million less than he could have gotten in San Jose for seven straight years. And San Seven Jose times would two. have been better tax-wise. Better, well. better tax. So he, he yep. took $14 million less to be in Toronto, and it's paying more tax. So there, And obviously, the Leafs have, have structured it so that he gets all the bonus money and whatever. I understand all of those points. I think the idea, the old trope about Kyle Dubas being a bad negotiator, bad negotiator excuse me, is a bad trope. Prove it to me that he's a bad negotiator. Show me one of the bad deals he signed. Well, and like once like, you have... Once you have a house, you can decorate it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he's. But you need four walls first, right? He's got it. He's got his four walls, if you want to call them that. You know, it's it's a better nickname than the Muskoka Five. <laughs> if you, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and if you want, you can throw Nylander in there, even though he makes way, way, way less uh, than those guys. Um, Riley is a big pillar of the team, but because of his contract length, I don't necessarily think you throw him in there, but he, that's a king size bed in, in your house. You got your four walls, you got your king size bed, or he's a big ass TV, whatever it is. He's the nicest appliance you have. And you got him on special. Yeah. Now, but honey, we can't afford to have that, but honey, we can't afford to add a fifth wall. That would be Alex Petrangelo, right? No. So what you do is you get a bunch of nice things. And maybe you go on Facebook Marketplace or you go on Kijiji. Or, ooh, I actually found there's a neat deal. I actually got a gift card for Wayfair. <laughs> and I'm going to pick up a Zach Bogosian and a little Joe Thornton action. And I'm going to, you know what, our old Jason Spezza, you know, I'll re-sign him. And, you know, Wayne Simmons is in there. And Jimmy VC, what are you doing on that? that guy, this... They obviously don't know what they're doing, putting this on Facebook Marketplace. Jimmy, right? So he's got his four walls. Now he can decorate the house. And I think he's he's done a really good job. You know, everyone's, oh, they got slower. They did this. They did that. I mean, what? 
I, isn't this what you asked for? What did you, how could the Leafs have gotten faster from last year other than on defense? On defense, they absolutely could have. Up front, they couldn't. How could they get faster than the team that they had? Be awfully hard. So it's obvious they were going to go in the other direction. Slower at the cost of X, Y, Z. They have guys who are bigger, guys Mm -hmm. who are meaner, guys who have more experience, guys who know how to play hockey. It's just a different brand that you're used to. I am at, listen, I complain about the Leafs for a living and I'm struggling to find something to complain about this off season. Jesse, when I brought this up, you said instantly I was wrong. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm struggling to find what the, uh, what the argument is about in terms of like the contract he signed. Cause this off season, you can't, um, you can't give him credit for signing deals that are, seem undervalued because the entire league's contracts are undervalued. Every every free agent this year has signed under what they're worth. So he's you're happy with the guys he's he's signed, which is yeah, hundred percent true. I think Dubas has done a great job in the guys he signed, but in the negotiations, like in terms of getting the most value in terms of the money he wants, in the two biggest cases that he's ever had in terms of guys who have a case against, hey, there's an actual argument here on the value of what you're worth in Marner and Nylander, he famously messed those two up in terms of he gave them the money that you should have given them at the beginning and instead wasted months on it. So but does that, I, cause, cause like if you, you can't, you can't be like, but hey, are those gr- bad deals, right? Are any, are we complaining about the Nylander deal? No, I know. We're no, not. no. Right? Marner. Yes. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's about like the deals they eventually signed. Cause like, all of them are decent deals. Yeah, but in terms of negotiation They're process. decent players. Let's not get it confused. Okay. Yeah. Let's not get it confused. Let's so not get saying, a good I'm player talking, and good I'm deal I'm just confused. talking about the process here. The neg- right. okay. actual back and forth of getting negotiation. done. Negotiation. Right. right. That's that's what that's what I'm talking about. And I think like something even with even with CeCe, when it's like he was uh he was an RFA on the team, and then you just he give had him the, to be though. You just he give had him, to be. you just give him the money. You like he's like okay, it, I we acquired this guy from Ottawa, and here here's this money. Here's four point five million. That I was think a special that- case, though. That was a QO, <laughs> and there was something already with that. There have been it was a that's a that's a weird one with the salary cap. Totally. Because if here's the thing, if you go, it could have been higher. So they gave him the lowest uh, amount they could. Totally. So I, I'm and, and, and then I, so I look at that, and then I look at something with Patrick Marlowe, where it's like, oh, we'll give him the four years, and we'll figure that out. Three, you know, and I, that was a Lou deal. Th- that was a Lou deal. And then, okay, and then we'll trade it away for a first-round draft pick. Like, I don't – I see these things. I'm like, okay, his actual – the skills in terms of giving these guys the contract, it doesn't doesn't seem like – I wouldn't grade him an A-plus over his career. I would say this offseason he's been an A-plus in the pandemic. It's been great. But overall, it's like a B. Like, I don't know. So Jesse brings up an interesting point, though, um, because it's been far too much of a crutch for people who like Kyle Dubas to say, well, the Zaitsev CC move was a Lou move and the Marlowe deal was a Lou move. And then he tried to trade Kadri for TJ Brody, who he wanted. And then he wasn't allowed to uh, because uh, Kadri said no to the deal. And this team, this is Dubas' team. Like there's nothing, if they're good, Good for Kyle Dubas. If they suck, Kyle Dubas and no one else made a team that sucks. 
So this is a huge, huge season for him. I think last season was uh, Dubas's team as well. Yes, but there was still well this, well that. There were well the, that. the exhaust fumes, like the CCs of the world. Yeah, there's yeah. none of that. There's none of that this year. There's no, and like, you know, a, a perfectly legitimate um, criticism is, okay, the CC deal was a necessary evil. Why is he on your top pair? Right. <laughs> Why is well, I think he- that's it because he was a fan, frankly. I mean, I think he was. I think he was a CC guy, okay. which is crazy. Crazy. Okay. He said it in the media. So. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. There's no lie there. Okay. Like, well, uh, Jesse, when GMs speak, there are plenty of lies, I nah. think. But, <laughs> but it's true. You know, uh, th- you know, there was still this and that and that last season. There's none of that. This is Kyle Dubas's team. And I like how it looks. I like how it looks on paper. I'm excited to see it hit the ice. Mm-hmm. And if they do the thing or at very least win a couple rounds, they take an obvious step. People will have no option, but to give Dubas his props, but if they suck, no, they'll, they'll find a way. Oh, of course they will. I mean, Simmons is writing the article right now. Told you this. The second they win the cup, he'll write one the next day that says they won't the next year. That's what he'll do. That's what he does. A contrarian. And odds are he'll be right. Yeah. Imagine yeah, pretty, pretty easy bet to take. Why there will be no three peep? Oh my god! I'll take that bet. Like, come oh. on! There's 32 teams going after it. Oh, the Leafs won't do it. Wow, that fool really stepped out on a limb there, Steve. I uh, listen. If you're not a fan of the Leafs, you need them to win just to see. Don't you want to see oh, like, how that plays out? Yeah. Don't you want to see? But it's, it's if funny they're bad, it's Dubas's fault, and yeah. I there's no defense. There's no defense of him. Yeah, and let's not uh, pretend that there was any negotiation in bringing guys like Thornton and Spezza over. Like that's a uh, hey. That's a we- no. Thornton, there was. Thornton, yeah. there was. Thornton, you know, they went. They went after him full press, but like that full press is the three of us could do that. I don't know that we could have. He's got, he had options, man. He had options. Yeah. I think no, they went hard. They've got Jesse, him in you're just, the minimum. Are you talking shit, Jesse? Is that I am talking. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's a great segment. That, talking shit. Talking shit. Talking shit. shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think this off season, it's been spectacular. Like I think we're, we've all graded him an A so far for mm-hmm. like his performance. Yep. But, I don't really have any but notes. The, but the entire history of his tenure as GM, which has only been two years, like it was 2018 when he got the job. Oh my god! Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's it's about it's above it's above average. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they made the playoffs each time, yeah. except for now. The best players are young. Well, yeah, there's still the yeah they yes. didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs. Okay, fine. Let's You're right. Let's call it like it is. No, you are right. Yeah, you I'm are excuse right. free on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, you they are didn't right. Make the fucking playoffs. And there was a chance. They didn't make the fucking playoffs. There's like a chance that. in a full season they didn't make it either. They were yeah, the very good. The way they were. Jesse, you're absolutely right. Oh, the Panthers and Leafs. Oh. Hot potato, hot potato. You make it. No, you make yeah. it. No, you. They're, the Atlantic should have only had two spots. <laughs> like they didn't deserve a third. It was it was shocking, and Montreal Canadiens fans can shut up because they weren't going to make it either. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it's it, just a brutal division last year, uh, outside of the Bruins and Lightning. Um, but there there is nowhere to hide. This is Dubas's mm-hmm. team, and they will win or lose as Dubas's team. Sam Reinhardt has re-signed a one-year, five point two million dollar contract in Buffalo. 
that is a heck of a, you know what? It's a good contract for the Sabres because they need a guy like Sam Reinhardt. And Sam Reinhardt probably knew that the Sabres needed him. He had a great season last year on a, on a bad team. This team looks to be better this year. Um, I think Sam Reinhardt and the Sabres at $5.2 million makes a lot of sense. I think the Sabres are going to mess around and get a bunch of the names we just mentioned on the cheap. You You got all the money in the world. Do it. Yeah. All those guys. And if you suck, trade them. And they're, they're going to be, it's going to be December 1st and they're going to be standing there like Thanos looking at Travis Hamanick and all of them going, you couldn't live with your own failure. (laughs) And where did that bring you? I don't back to me. No, it'll just be PTOing people and be like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> PTOing veterans who got Hamannick. But you know what? The Sabres, you know, we we can, you know, for the analogy that we just used for the lease, we can talk about maybe bad neighborhood mm-hmm. or something or bad reputation. Jack Eichel, that's a wall. Rasmus Dahlin, that's a wall. You know, like they're, if they give big money to a few guys and they find a few deals around there, like they could, they can mess around and be okay this couple, season. Couple live, laugh, love posters. Oh, oh my goodness. There's, there's a, there's a hole in the wall. Someone clearly punched the, the door. Uh, okay. We get a nice mirror and we hang it there. Or maybe, uh, you know, this is uh, painting a Dominic Hashik. You put it up. We we got it. I don't know how the Buffalo Sabres are going to do this season. I don't. I don't think they're going to be in the basement. They're not going to be there. I think the the walls that they have, the big money guys that they have, they're too good for them to be bad enough to be in the basement conversation. Interesting. So I'm not sure if, if that's good for them long term, though. They may want that high draft pick. Yeah, but if if you're Kevin Adams, you're going to want to make a big splash, Taylor. Taylor Hall's pretty big. Pretty big spot. Um, and if you're the Pagulas and Sabres fans, you're tired of this team stinking. And who knows what division they're going to be in, too. That's going to be fascinating to see because there might not be an Atlantic this season. Are they going to have a better chance of making a division? Like, what would they be in? Sabres, Rangers, Islanders. West side? Yeah, there might be something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Um I'm interested to see what they do. Also, to clear up a misconception that I saw a lot on Twitter with the Sam Reinhardt contract, because this would be bad. He signs a one-year $5.2 million contract and is a UFA at the end of it. That would no. be disastrous. He's not. He's an RFA. So, I don't um, know. I don't hate it. They have the space. Like, just whatever. Josh Levo has signed with the uh, Calgary Flames. He had 19 points in 36 games last year. It's not bad. Josh Levo's yeah, really. And the, and the Calgary Canucks jerseys that were going around yesterday on Twitter, which was amazing. The Flames could use a little depth scoring. I think Josh Levo for sure brings that. I mean, 19 points in 36 games. It's very good. But Put that over off, a season, that's really good. He's coming off a busted kneecap, though. And that is a really difficult injury. But he's had lots of time to rehab it. Mm-hmm. So we'll get again, lots more. It, yeah, it's, it's very, it's such a fascinating season coming up for guys coming off of big injuries. Yeah. Like you you know what no one is giving enough uh attention is the San Jose Sharks are going to have Eric Carlson with nearly a year off. <laughs> like all of a sudden you might be getting the guy you're paying 11 million bucks for and it changes everything in the Western Conference. 
Just saying. They they yeah. went they went from Western Conference final to one of the seven worst teams in the league very aggressively. And something tells me there could be a sharp term. Guys, um, because we've uh, we've gotten a shortened show today, uh, I do want to get to the press conference because I know that Jesse has something he desperately wants to get to, and I have no idea what it is. All I heard was, let's do this on the press conference. Don't tell that. Is it desperate? I don't know. Is it? The Presser SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. I thought this was funny. MKC13 writes, if Steve drinks a coffee and doesn't describe its effects, did it happen? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Hey, can I have a, I have a question. Is there any chance that anybody out there has done a supercut of all of Steve's coffee coffee references like i would love you know you remember that um the the guy from unsolved mysteries like didn't happen that's a fallacy it's a fake you know like all the one i would love to have a steve one but just for coffee i like how you called him the guy from unsolved mysteries because i know him as isn't it commander Riker from from star trek (laughs) yes yes yeah yeah just like hey I used to have his action figure and I would make it compete in WrestleMania in my basement. <laughs> By the way, my coffee today was drank out of a mug that my parents very obviously got me. Wow. Did they order that Aww. on Facebook? No, I'm sure they bought it in a store in Port Perry or Coburg or some it's, shit. It says Stephen, the man, the myth, <laughs> It looks the like a Facebook mug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Stephen. Yeah. I am a welder. <laughs> <laughs> this is, and because it's not ceramic, this will be Leo's cup very soon. Yes. There you, well, there go. you go. There you go. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> by the way, they, you should follow Facebook shirts on Instagram because what the best account and the reason i made the welder do my leaves offend you (laughs) because because basically that account started just posting facebook welder shirts because i guess they went after the welder community um (laughs) i'm i had one when i was with the leafsnation.com and it was like i'm a managing editor and a badass just like (laughs) who got you that no no it was just it was so what they'll do is they'll mock up a shirt yes. or something in your job description and throw it in an ad. And yes, and you can buy it. I'm finally starting to get kids ads, by the way. Oh, good. Hello, oh, parents. Also, all these emails are like, I got one recently that was like, I wanted to reach out to you personally. And it was from like a very reputable company. And you open a, the email and it's not a personal email at all. It's just some company. And I'm just like, you're an asshole for for doing that i i'm mad i even opened this i'm internet mad i'm internet mad how dare you no and by the way here's what that's that's me describing it here's what it looks like and that's it that's it but i talk about it screaming mad anybody listening to that would have been so scintillated by that that was oh i'm sure i'm sure absolutely i don't think Um, the audio version got it but But screw those people uh that's another question sorry screw half our audience so (laughs) powerful matter mallard has a question for adam okay adam I have one specific question for Adam Wilde. Has anyone heard from Jasper from Ghosted? (laughs) Jasper from Ghosted. I can't. So, okay. 
you got to remember that uh, we do two of those a week and we've been doing them for a year. So we're well into 100 at this point. I can't even remember how many goals Austin Matthews scored last year. I have, I can't rem- If I met you, chances are five minutes later, I forget your name. I know your face, but I have forgotten your name. I have a terrible memory. So when you, if you want to ask me questions about ghosted, I'm down, but you got to tell me what happened because I'm going to know the story. I'm not going to know the name. And Jesse knows, Jesse, Jesse and Jax and TJ make active jokes in the studio about the name. So I always say, Jesse, what's the person's name? I pick up the phone (laughs) and then we'll forget the name before I say hi. Oh my God. And and then, and then, and then Jax is like, (laughs) Jax always like, I call people brother or sister. Yo, what's up brother? Like, you know, like that, because I can't remember the name. No, Brother is his fill in when he forgets your name. Yeah. So I'll answer the phone and I'll be like, Adam, uh, Anna is on the phone. And then Adam will answer the phone and say, hey, Sabrina, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Adam, and it's Adam, a great running bit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I think it was the year you and I were in a play together. There was a girl who was like on the crew and her name was either Sydney or Cindy. And for several months, I was like, hey, say what's up? Because <laughs> I did. Big S. I didn't Big know. S. What's up? Or, or Big C. Big C. I exactly. <laughs> hey, say what's up? What's up, me? <laughs> yeah. You. Hey, you. Uh, Adam, to jog your memory, uh, Jasper went on a date with a girl named Evelyn. And then she's the one. They lived in the same condo building. Okay. And she had voodoo dolls. Yes. With yes, her in the elevator. When they there because she picked up her package and then it was a couple of voodoo dolls. And then he got in the elevator with her and she's like, It's voodoo dolls. And he's like, That's weird. And then he ghosted did, her. And yeah, then we called and her. they did they end up going back out again? I think they did, right? I, I think, yeah, he agreed to the second date. He was like, Yeah, this is fun. I'll go on the second date. Well, to answer um intimidating mallard or whatever your name was on uh, <laughs> which is a weird thing to be about it. Those poor ducks, they're very nice, but uh um, to answer the question, no. And oftentimes we don't hear from people again. And the reason for that is, um, I want you to imagine that you've been ghosted. That's embarrassing, right? I like was talking to somebody, Jesse and I were at a brunch today and somebody brought up the fact that, uh, because everywhere we go now, people bring up the ghosted and the friends of theirs that get ghosted. And this, this woman was telling us about her friend. She had met this guy's parents and, then was ghosted by him when he didn't show up to a party that they were supposed to be at. Ooh. And he was golfing. He was golfing with his buddies. She thinks he, he was, he was going to be late. So she's like, why don't you just not show up? We're already halfway through dinner. You know, I'll see you later or whatever. And she was mad, but then ghosted her like gone, just gone. And like never. And she's like, I met your parents and like gone. Uh, And that's a big deal. I think meaning parents um like you're just irish goodbye someone who met your parents yeah right so anyway three months so we've heard disappear we hear stories like this all the time and so you imagine you're ghosted and then you find out the reason somebody's ghosted you so it could either be bad because they don't like you or it can be good but they still ghosted you and now you're together either way you're not going to want to reach out and republicize what happened afterwards right Either way, because people are going to be like, what an idiot for going going out with somebody again who ghosted you. Like, are you are you going to commit to someone who ghosted you? Are you nuts? Uh, or, you know, I'm embarrassed and I'm still single. What am I like? What are you going to say? So we often a lot of people ask us to do like follow up episodes and stuff with that. Uh, the reality is that there aren't enough for us to actually consider doing that regularly. And you have to do it with some sort of regularity. Otherwise, it's sort of hard to keep doing. Do you know what I'm saying? 
So it's that's that's the reason. Got it. There you go. And ghosted can be heard. Tuesdays and Thursdays at eight o'clock on ninety nine nine Virgin Radio, or you can watch the video podcast which Jesse puts together, which is on YouTube. Our Nathan, entire show. Nathan Savard six on Twitter, who has an Atlanta Thrashers logo as his profile photo, wants to know who takes over as the worst team in the league in the twenty twenty one season. Do you guys see it still being Detroit? Do you see another team being the bottom feeder? I don't this year? see Detroit being the worst. Are yeah, the worst. Detroit was very purposefully bad last year. You know oh, what I mean? Still like, pretty bad. <laughs> they're still not good. No, no. Let me go through the forward group. Okay. Dylan Larkin. Hey. Hey. Franz Nielsen, who's still making five point two five for this and next year. Oh. Darren Helm. At $3.85 million. Darren Helm. Valtteri Filpula, who's 36 and making $3 million. Robbie Fabry, who's making $3 million bucks for the next two years. Robbie Fabry, only 24. I feel like he's been in the league 8 million years. Right. Vlad Nemesnikov, which isn't a bad pickup at $2 million a season. Luke Lendenning Len is still alive and kicking. He's only 31 and he's making one eight. And then you got Bobby Ryan, which was a good signing. Yep. Uh, Philip Zadina has got a couple of years left. They picked up uh, Sam, Sam Gagne. I think the Tyler Bertuzzi... Um, hearing is happening right now with arbitration, like as we speak. Oh, really? Uh, Anthony Mantha and former Leaf Dimitro Timoshov as well. But that's not a great group. And then you've got Mark Stahl, Danny DeKaiser, Patrick Nemeth, Troy Stetcher. Forgot Troy Stetcher had signed there. And then you've got Phil Bronick and, and Alex Bieg and a few guys. This is not a good team. Well, you are going to get yelled at, though, because <laughs> are, you looking at their, are you looking at their cap friendly? Yeah. Uh, See, this is the problem. Well, yeah, so, okay. So they got some rookies who are unproven. Yeah, they're unproven, but like that, that's <laughs> but that's how the Leafs made the playoffs a few years ago. Sure. Is there the Leafs are, also had Freddie Anderson? These guys have Jonathan Bernier and Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice, good pickup. He's a good pickup, right? Like, pick see, you're you're good coming around. Like, I don't I'm not saying they're gonna win the friggin' cop. I'm just saying they're gonna they're gonna catch some teams by surprise. Uh, Tara Hirose uh, played some NHL games last year. Michael Rasmussen is a good young player. Joe Valino is a good young player. Uh, Moritz Sider is a good young player. Jen- Dennis Cholosky's already got some NHL experience. Um, there are guys. There yeah, are I got a vote. I got a vote. You get a vote? Not Detroit. Detroit is not going to be the worst team. Oh, okay. I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're a playoff team. Maybe their goalies steal steal them the playoff spot. I doubt it. I'm going to say, and this is not going to be popular, the San Jose Sharks could be the worst team in the NHL this year. Really? They have horrendous goaltending. They made a trade. It didn't get any better. Yeah. Um, if it's not San Jose, it's going to be New Jersey. Those are my West and my East picks. I think New, New Jersey, Jersey is... I think I think Jersey sucks. I think they're a poorly constructed team right now. They're in transition. Um, but I'm not... I'm not big on a forward group of Nico Heischer, Travis Zajac, and Kyle Palmieri. Like, you know, Andreas Janssen's a good pickup for sure. 40 goals, though, and P- you know it. PK's got <laughs> PK's to come back. I, I'm a he big is. fan. Damon Severson's a good good defenseman. Uh, but, you know, they and they did sign Corey Crawford, who had a great year last year. But I don't know. What are the New Jersey Devils? Like, what are you? Who's their goalies? Blackwood and Crawford, and Blackwood's not signed. No. That's a good tandem, though, and they will nah. get him signed. That is a good yeah, tandem. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, what what is Corey Crawford? 
Like, Look at you. No, he, no, he was a 928. He was a 928 yeah. last year. He was good. He was good. Oh, uh, no, well, of Crawford Blackwood is good. Corey Crawford's numbers post January, I think, are very different than his uh, numbers at the beginning of the season, if I remember well, correctly. They're not playing hockey till January this year, Jesse. So <laughs> to his advantage. Like this is Corey's year or 2021 will be. I, yeah, right, but I, right. I, I don't like, I look at New Jersey and I go, that's a team in transition. Like what actually are you? They have no identity. Um, I don't think they're a good team. I don't I agree. I am. And can I also say this? Okay. Who? Not blown away with what the jets have done. Kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. For the for for a few years there, they were just on fire. But the fact that Kevin Cheveldayoff wouldn't make a trade ever, um, and and then you know they 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 definitely started to kind of work themselves into place. But um, especially if they trade Patrick Line, what the fuck is that? Like, what are they doing? Uh, I I don't I don't see how. And I've said this for three episodes in a row. How do you trade a forty goal score and come out better? And you're Winnipeg. And it's already tough for people to sign there. And line is a god there. So you're going to alienate fans. You've pissed off your the probably the second best score in franchise history, except for Timu Solani, who, by the way, the Jets then and the Jets now are the same franchise. Don't even debate me on that because franchise belongs to the city. They are not Arizona Coyotes. Um, but I feel like uh, I feel like they're they're making some questionable decisions there. I don't think they're a bad team. Any team with Connor Hellebuck and that's going to be really good. But I don't know what's going on in Winnipeg. I, I think they're making some really strange moves. If the Ottawa Senators get last year's Matt Murray, they're boned. <laughs> yeah. They are boned. I don't if, hate their offseason, though, man. Dodonov's a great move. Yeah, I don't hate their offseason either. But, like, we're forgetting. Some people I saw were very rightly remembering what the team looked like heading into the deadline and then after. Like losing yeah. Peugeot was huge. They are not a solid team up the middle. Um, and the right side on D is atrocious. And if they get last year's Matt Murray, they are in a lot of trouble. Um, unless John Gibson has a bounce back, the Ducks could be real, real crappy. Yeah. Um, and the Ducks, by the way, I believe are at the cap or over it. The Coyotes are this crazy wild card team because there were ridiculous rumors about them. Darcy Kemper's going out the door and Oliver Ekman Larson's going out the door and they have this money problem, that money problem. And then none of those things came to fruition, but I assume their money problems didn't go away. Um, And the final team I wanted to throw in there, this isn't a team that I think is bad enough on paper necessarily to finish last, but they have no goaltending, the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm. They have no goaltending. They have none. And they've just announced that they're rebuilding, which means they it's it's basically Stan Bowman has the green light to make trades on purpose to make the Blackhawks worse. Don't be surprised when he I does. I mean, he's been doing it anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, but now he's doing it on purpose. <laughs> now he's publicly doing it. <laughs> now he's doing it. Now he means to. I'm which intending. might make them better. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah, you're right. Any team that doesn't have goaltending is tough. Uh, You are, you know, I still think the players on San Jose will have a bounce back here, but that tandem is a world of hurt. It's awful. Martin Jones, Devin Dubnik. Okay, sure. Whatever you say. Watch all of this is going to be clipped and thrown right back in my face when all of those teams do extremely well. Well, we said like seven teams. Like, I mean, I'm sure some of them are going to be good. 
I'm, and I there's mean, always yeah. like one playoff team that falls off the face of the earth. They have some crazy injury. And, yeah. But Arizona's a, okay. There's two teams that are, I'm not saying these teams are going to compete for last, but they're, I'm just like, why are you so quiet sitting over there? The Coyotes are way too quiet. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are not done by a long shot. The think the Coyotes are quiet because their front office was blown up and all of their top players didn't get paid and they don't know what they're doing. I don't yeah. see how and the also Coyotes they, are good. And they have no picks. <laughs> have Tampa's no got picks. less than $3 million bucks to sign Anthony Sorelli, Eric Cernak, and Mikhail Sergachev. How? They won't. How? How on earth are you going to do it? How? I'm fascinated to see that. They if put I'm Tyler Ottawa, Johnson on waivers. If we I'm all Ottawa, forget about that. Like, if yo, if I'm Ottawa, I would call about Tyler Johnson or Alex Kalorn. That's too smart. Well, yeah. Well, you could get a first round pick out of it. You know what I'm saying? That's a great idea. It's really good. And that's did, why I don't think they're going to do it. And you it. know that Steve Eiserman's picked up the phone, but Julian Breeze oh, was yeah. like, nope, I know you. <laughs> I know you. And I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> uh, next question. Last question, Jesse. Uh, Adam, you were late for the pod today. I was. Uh, Original Sin 33 replied to your tweet when you said, Why is Adam late? What is he, Steve? Uh, Original Sin 33 said, When it's Steve's late, it's expected. When you're late, societies crumble. Mm. So I want to know, Adam, okay. what's your favorite story from history about a society that crumbled? Oh, that's a good question. It was a long way to get there, but I got there, and that's my question. Well, see, the, the, the one that, that obviously everybody sort of goes to is Rome, right? Mm-hmm. Rome is uh, a fascinating one because it, it, it's an, a, a country or an empire that was you know, governed regionally, like we have provinces or states, um, and it's split into two. And it became two separate political entities that were named the same thing that were governed completely separately by different emperors. But they were the same, but they weren't. Um, and so the, 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 I, I think the Roman one is so interesting because it so much mirrors where our society is in terms of not, listen, we are not anywhere close to even Caesar crossing the, uh, the river and coming into Rome and whatever. We're not there. Everybody's like, uh, oh my God, it's, this is the moment. Oh, we're going to be, uh, uh, no, we're not. No, but I definitely think, you know, Rome's, uh, Rome's view on Republicanism because Rome was a Republic, uh, which is different from a democracy and people don't know that, um, uh, their, their litigious nature, um, is very, very similar to ours. And we've based a lot of our laws on what they did. So I think the Roman one is very, very interesting. I think if you were to look at Napoleonic France, I think you'd find that very interesting as well. But I'll, I'll, I'll do the Roman one because it's, it's easier to kind of explain. So Rome was a gigantic country, I guess, empire, whatever you want to call it. It stretched from basically the edge of Scotland, so the south end of Scotland, all the way down to where modern, modern day, like I believe Algeria, Morocco, and then over to uh, Egypt, and then up to Syria, and then all the way through the Hellespont. Like, so you've got, you know, uh, Istanbul or Constantinople at the time. Uh, you've got uh, all the Balkans, 
You've got all the way up to the edge of Germany and then back up, right? So it's a huge, huge piece of property. Um, and they had, they were very multicultural, very multinational. There's a headstone in, uh, in England right now uh, of a governor that I believe died there. And he was a Syrian guy. Hmm. He's from Syria. Like, think about that. Think How about that. It's, it's, it, well, I mean, the, the Romans were in England from, or from, in, they were in Britain from, it's like 2000 years old. I think AD, no, no, they were there just, what is it, 8055 to about 400. Wow. So they were there for a long, long time. And, uh, and so this guy would have been like, so like they moved governors around too to make sure that they wouldn't get too uppity and want to grab the, grab, be an emperor. Uh, so they moved these guys around. So they moved a guy from Syria to run England. Think about that, right? Um, but what happened essentially was you got one half of the empire that's doing extremely well, and that is the Middle Eastern half. You've got, uh, you've got Constantinople there. You've got you know, a, a ton of grain coming in from Egypt, which was the breadbasket of the empire, empire at the time, as long, and along with Northern Africa. And then climate was different then, so less, less deserts and that sort of thing. And then you got the other side, which is plagued by a ton of rebellions um, from, from inside. So generals that were trying to take over and become the emperor, and several of them did. One of the generals actually was a quote-unquote barbarian who had never seen Rome. He was the emperor for three years and never set foot in the city, which is crazy. Uh, he was just out on the fields fighting people. And a lot of these tribes would come in from Germany. And what would happen was they would be offered uh, asylum in Rome because it meant a lot to be a Roman citizen. So you would get the citizenship, but the men in the tribe would then have to sign up for the Roman ar army. And what happened was it sort of watered the ranks down because it's like, well, how I just joined this country and I'm now I got to fight for these guys. And am I really going to put my, my ass on the line for a country I really didn't even grow up in? And that's sort of where some of the issues came. So there was, there was lots of that. The empire splits in two and one half does extremely well and becomes the Byzantine empire, which went on for uh, right, right into the 1400s. And then you have the Western half, which was based out of Rome and then Ravenna. Uh, and they had to move it out of Rome because there were so many issues there. And it was, it's a dude, there are so many, there's an entire, uh, there's entire, uh, university courses on why Rome crumbled. But the reality was that the people's faith in the public, uh, uh, the public at large in terms of like the government, the, the, the faith in the government sort of brought it down. So if you, if you go, we talk about now, right now, there's a lot of government functions that are being questioned. Um, people's faith in institutions that are important for a country to run basically fell apart. And then you had a plague, which wiped out a third of the population. And I want you to imagine this was the black, one of the first black plagues. It sounds like 2020. Yeah, but this is where like, imagine one in three of us died. Something. So you, you're talking about an empire that lost its workforce and then didn't have any currency. So they had to basically, they formed what then became the, midi the, uh, the medieval thing where they had to like, you, you, well, your father's a blacksmith, so you're a blacksmith. And your son will be a blacksmith because we need blacksmiths. We need at least one blacksmith in this village, and that's your family, and that's what it's going to be because they didn't have the population anymore. So you have a dramatic reduction in people, a dramatic reduction in wealth. And what we know about money is that the more it moves around, the more you make, right? You need money to keep moving. And so the, all of those things happened. Uh, you had um, 
the coin makers, the guys that would make coins, they started out as uh, full pieces of silver. I think by the time the empire fell apart, they were like a tenth silver and then the rest of it. So the, the, the money wasn't worth as much. You had to print more of it. Um, so there's so much that goes into this. But I think if you were to really research it, the fall of the eastern half of Rome is very, very interesting. The fall of the western half is even more interesting because the Turks invaded and they were the first ones to really proliferate the use of gunpowder. Nobody had been able to take down uh, Constantinople and its enormous walls, which were 15 or 16 feet thick and 100 feet high. And thick. then they bring in these cannons Holy. that fired once a day. These cannons were so big, it took a whole day to load and fire them. And so the Turks just sat outside and kept firing these massive cannons. And, and we're talking about the size of a bus, just huge. And the walls fell, the empire fell, and the Turks took over. And that's, that's another one that is just absolutely fascinating. And then that gave, room, um, gave uh, rise to the Ottoman Empire, which lasted until World War I. So uh, in my estimation, in my view, the Roman Empire did not end in the you know, three or four hundreds, like a lot of people say. People are like, well, those are the Byzantines and they're different. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they are Roman. They were Roman. They consider themselves Roman. They had a court like the Romans did. And yes, it evolved over time. Uh, but to me, the Roman Empire truly fell in the 1400s. Uh, when, uh, when Istanbul, when Constantinople became Istanbul, uh, and that's when the real Roman Empire died. In my personal opinion, that's not historically accurate at all. So there you go. Can I, can I throw in a mini one? Yeah, sure. That's part of what you said. How many cities throughout history have fallen in a single day and have it not be because of war? Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. There aren't many, but Pompeii is definitely one of them. Right. Pompeii right. was there one day, you know, lavish city, um, some big houses, wealthy houses, and nature just said, that's nice. And here's a volcanic eruption. And it's one of the more fascinating case studies in anything historically in terms of preservation. And it's a city that fell in a day. Uh, no, no daggers drawn, no nothing, no battle cries. It was mm -hmm. just a volcano saying, see ya. That's enough. Yeah. And it, I mean, that was part of the Roman Empire and that was a big loss for them. Pompeii was a very rich city and it really economically, again, part of that Western theater uh, really economically hurt the Roman empire at the time. Mm -hmm. So there you go. <laughs> so that's my, that's my answer. I hope it was okay. Steve Dangle podcast. That was awesome. <laughs> you imagine being someone who started listening over the last month. Oh God. Wondering what's going on. Yeah. Well, actually this is us back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> like, no, this is a typical, this is, well, um, we should do we should do bachelor bios coming up if there's we still should. no hockey news because they yes. came the new season started i think last week so the bios were out like a couple weeks ago so we can always just re-up that if there's no hockey news should i watch borat yes apparently very, it's very funny yeah okay yeah. finished it, uh yesterday it was very good okay wonderful all right uh, congratulate! Oh, sorry. Sorry, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, congratulations to Adamas uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. They started the season six and zero. Woo! Well done. Finally achieved. My cheer for is doing well. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so we'll be back Wednesday this week, and uh, we will talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening, uh, and also thank you to the Steve Dangle Podcast YouTube audience. We have finally hit 
40,000 subscribers, oh. which we're very happy about. So thank you so much for uh, your support. We appreciate it. on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.